0: This
1: is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. Nick and Joe with you in our proper places. I'm in Portland. You're in Cumberland, Rhode Island. Actually, I I take that back. That's not your proper place, is it? It's your home. It's where your family is. But that's certainly not position A, right? You're not in the fairway right now, are you?
0: That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it's not position A, but you know what? We don't have to punch out. Maybe it's not costing us a stroke. It's just, uh, you know, not where we drew it up.
1: You're in play, which is fine. (laughs) There we go. Uh, Soon, as a matter of fact, I think it's next week, if I'm doing my math correctly, the Ryder Cup. Nick, this is unbelievable. Next weekend is the 2023 Ryder Cup please write and review the podcast on either Spotify or Apple podcasts. Let us know who will earn the most Ryder cup points at Marco Simone golf club. If you're right, Piper golf, our friends will send you a free box of golf balls. If you can't wait, if you got to get your Pipers now, because you're trying to squeeze in golf at the end of the year, go to Piper.golf, use promo code turn 10 at checkout for incredible savings. Now, last week, of course, was a banner handicap report for Nick Heidelberger. You're smiling. I don't know what that means, but I'm excited to find out. It is time for the Handicap Report. is brought to you by Blue Tees. Use promo code TURN at checkout. That's T-U-R-N for 10% off at Blue Tees, the number one range finder in the game. Blue Tees, play different. Do you want to start, Nick, or should I go first? I'll start. I got, I got something to add.
0: Uh, just to tease something a little bit later, it is Ryder Cup week next week. This week is Solheim Cup Week, and I've yes. got some Solheim Cup tidbits later on in the show. Uh that is my handicap report. I have not played since since my banner round. Um I, I think I just I might just rest on that for a little while. No, I I um I haven't played. I, haven't, I had some travel. We got home. We we Probably pumped a hundred gallons of water out of my basement. We had this crazy storm. Ugh. Um there was just no time to to practice and to get, get ahead at work enough to be able to sneak out on a Friday afternoon. So so I bagged golf for this week. I'm gonna keep that I'm gonna keep riding that high and uh maybe we'll pull the sticks out again next week. How 23 point
1: three. Twenty three point three. How do you pump water out of your basement? I see the looks like an air purifying machine in the background there. How do you pump water out of your basement while also uh, having a toddler and a baby? Well <laughs>
0: It was very painful because we're we're putting them to bed, which is like a marathon process. It's three times longer than it should be while this storm is happening. And we know our basement is just (sighs) filling up with water as this is happening. So they go to bed and I probably spent three hours with a shop vac just going through. I mean, there was like two or three inches of standing water in our basement. Um, And then the next morning, I got up nice and early, went to Lowe's, got some some cement patchwork. Uh, So, so far it's holding up. Um, but yeah, shop vac. And then yes, yeah, so a new dehumidifier in the basement. So I can live down here without in- inhaling toxins.
1: Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's what you do. Well, if you pass out halfway through, I'll try to carry it on. But speaking of the Solheim cup, um, Lexi Thompson's on that team. Um, just, that's- just, 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 just stop. That I mean just, just stop. No. What's worse? I'm, I'm, Lexi-
0: I'm, I'm literally I'm cutting you off okay.
1: from, from any Lexi Thompson okay. Solheim Cup okay, great. roster
0: squad spots.
1: Okay. I understand. Uh my handicap report is actually the same too, Nick. I haven't played golf and that is intentional. I've had the opportunity to play golf. Last weekend I didn't really have much of any plans. Um, I did yard work, and you know what I did? I practice. I've practiced four times in the last week. I just came from the driving range. I've been practicing because I got a nice round coming up at a nice course with some friends, and I thought, is it going to help me to go out and shoot 91 at Glendivere again? No. Let's practice a little bit. We'll get some swing thoughts going. I thought I found a little something. Most of my confidence is now shattered for the most recent range session that I just had. It's all tempo-based, so we'll see. I'm, I'm curious to see if practice is actually going to help me or if it's going to remain the status quo. Um, not a big practicer, but I decided so, to give it a try. What the hell? People say it works.
0: Joe Joe's bringing up practice like it's this foreign concept that he's just discovered. Like Guys, like I got this idea that if I practice my golf game, maybe my handicap will go down. I've been practicing a lot this year. My handicap has gone up six strokes. So hopefully that doesn't happen to you. I, I believe you will have a better result than, than I have had so far.
1: It's at a course I really like. It's at a course that I've scored on well before. So I have pretty high expectations going in, honestly. Um, And yeah, you're just allowed to go hit balls and not play. Like you can just go to a golf course, chip, hut, hit balls and then leave. You don't have to go to the golf course. It's a really cool idea. I'm trying it. We'll see if it actually pans out. Does that take five hours or can you do it in less time than that? Well, that's what's cool about it is you can just sneak it in. Like I have a course 10 minutes down the road. You're 40 minutes in and out and and, and you're done. It's nice. People should really do it. People should should, practice. We should do an episode on this sometime. (laughs) The practice episode. (laughs) Smoot's not invited because you don't play swing. You play golf. And that is your handicap report brought to you by Blue teas. Now, Nick, I have just kind of a bunch of nonsense in here, but the first one I want to get to this is sort of my cross to bear. Folks, it's that time. It's summer's almost over. Um, summer's over next week. Doesn't it end the 22nd? Is that right? Mm-hmm. September 22nd? Yeah. 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 So it's almost fall, almost autumn. You know what time of year it is. You got to call ahead. Aeration season. People punch the greens. Not everyone tells you. You have to be an advocate for yourself. The last thing you want is to show up to a golf course. You hit a good tee shot. You hit a good second. You know, you have about 10 feet and there's a whole pile of sand between you and the hole. That's not what you're looking for. My dad actually made a tee time for himself because he's trying to continue to play in the fall. And I was like, Oh, did you call ahead for aeration season? He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, well, aren't you concerned that they punched the greens? And he's like, that doesn't make a difference to me. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. (laughs) So you're willing to go. My dad's played golf for 50 years. So, he said he's willing to go. He doesn't really care if the greens are and He's like, I'll just hit the ball harder. And I was like, all right, yeah, cool. <laughs> okay, Good luck. I hope, I hope it works out well. But for the rest of you non-lunatics out there, please call ahead. Make sure that your course is not punching while you're planning to play.
0: PSA. It's, it's, it's always good advice. And I'm going to take this tidbit and go off on my own little tangent here. So I have subscribed since I moved to Rhode Island a couple of years ago, uh, a year and a half ago now. I subscribe to the email mailing list for every golf course in like a 20 mile radius. Cause I just want to know what's going on. Hmm. And so I get emails from some of these courses that are like, Hey, heads up. We're punching next Friday. We've documented that I've I'm, I'm playing the field. I'm, I'm exploring free agency for courses to play yes. next year. One of them, like I, I brought up on this podcast is like 10, 12 minutes from my house. It's, it's, you know, it's affordable. It's it's not too busy. There's, I can't really find anything wrong with it. I told you that I didn't really like the fairways one time. Um, so I, I booked around there. They sent an email after I booked my round that says we're punching. But it was for like a week later. So I was like, great. I, I can respect this. Now I'm like even more high on them. I like they, they do the right thing. Yeah. Grew up the first the day to play, I told you I got a tornado warning on my way to the course. So they were shut down. So I booked it for the same time. Like whatever. The next week. I get an email like an hour before my tea time that says like, Hey, there's rain. The course is closed today, which was kind of crazy because every other course was open. Like I, I, I booked a normal tea time and it hardly rained like at a, another course nearby where I like, clearly they could have played. So now I'm like, does this course not drain at all? Because mm. the Course down for like the threat of rain, either they're just lazy yeah. or there is no drainage. So that's the number one concern. They gave me a hard time trying to refund my tea time. Cause they said, whatever. So the bottom line is I was really tempted to give this course credit without really playing them because they're being straightforward about aired in the course or aired in the greens. But I'm really having second thoughts and it, it's, it's given me a lot of pause. I haven't been back to play. I haven't been back to scout it out. But my impression of them has changed. And if, This is all ties back to say that if you're judging a course by whether or not they're straightforward about aeration
1: season and aerating their greens, maybe don't judge a book by its cover. Either direction. Oh, so you're saying that if they're not as forthright as perhaps you would hope they are, that is not necessarily an indictment of the entire experience of the course. It's just an element and a factor in the whole equation.
0: Exactly. Because – I'm all high, high on these people. Like, Hey, they did the right thing. They sent an email ahead of time. This is great. I love them, but it doesn't really paint a clear picture. And it could go either way. Is Crystal Lake, not the front runner still? I made a spreadsheet of like the distance and the cost and the course and all this stuff. And I I think it's just too far away. It's a little far. It's like what? 25 minutes each way. It's like, it's closer to 30, but Mm. like there's, There's two courses that are less than 15 minutes. Then there's like 10 that are between like 20 and 25. And then Crystal Lake is like closer to 30. So there's like a bunch that are a little bit more convenient.
1: Well, the course that you belong to now, it seems like that was sort of done on a whim last fall. So I understand your extreme caution and trying to get all the factors to be a part of this rather than just having like a really fun nine holes. And you're like, See a sign in the one. Like, Holy shit! I'm gonna I'm gonna live at this golf course, and then you're hitting it out of bounds for the first six months up, of the year. Blew up in my face. Yeah, uh, I think I've.
0: We'll talk about this later, but I, I may have. I may have a course.
1: Oh, okay. Do you want to? Is that is that today or is that a future episode?
0: No, it's a future episode. Okay, that's some I got fall some, winter I got some talk. More stuff to do. Yeah.
1: Okay, I love it. Um, well, this is this is sort of timely, maybe a little bit dated, but we have to talk about it. Did you see the clip of Tiger Woods? Tiger Woods sighting. Yeah. Um, Clinic at Liberty National. Oh, my God. It was This was brutal. Um, so <laughs> Brutal. The first, th- the first time
0: I saw this, I opened my email, golf.com. Tiger Woods hits Ricky Fowler with brutal zinger, viral in viral clip. And I'm like, oh my God, this I've dropped everything you're doing and click on this. Yeah. And it's like a five-minute video of like Tiger mumbling like away from a microphone. Um, I'm sure you were going nuts on this audio quality. And I, I had no context in in like I had no idea what actually the zinger was that they were yeah. talking about. Yeah. And then I got another email from golf.com like the next day with like another, another article they had written about like one sentence tiger had said during this clip. So this is, this is stupid. I, that's where I, that's where I come out on this. Like, yeah, tiger woods world, world most famous golfer in history was at a driving range and people had their cell phones out and filmed some of So I mean like, that's all this boils down to, to
1: my takeaway from the first 10 minutes of this episode is your, your inbox sounds like a mess. You're getting way too many emails from way too many publications and golf courses. Um, really the only thing that I liked and I sent it to my, uh, my group, the wedgie bros, that's my, uh, my foursome. Um, they asked Tiger, what's your number one tip for amateurs? And this is a quote. My sister-in-law says, I swear too much on this podcast. Jenny, turn it down. Don't let my nephews here. I'm going to swear. Are you ready? Tiger Woods said, quote, tip for amateurs. Don't watch fucking YouTube. <laughs> Go beat balls. Those were his tips. So, Look, Tiger, I'm beating balls. I'm not watching YouTube. If I don't shoot a 68 tomorrow, I'm going to be pretty pissed, Tiger. I'm going to be pretty, you, pretty upset. I, I'm not going to
0: question Tiger Woods. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't like his swing advice. I actually do not trust Tiger Woods' <laughs> swing advice. First of all, just what? go beat balls. Every like golf instructor who like has structured. A practice plan with a normal human being student, not like a freak athlete, is like, no, do not just go beat balls. You need to actually practice with an intention and a purpose. Don't just go up there and, like, do whatever – hit whatever club you pull out of your bag for 45 minutes and then call it a range session. Number two, not from this clip, but one time I watched a video clip. I think it was Golf Digest. it's like, an instruction series with Tiger Woods. And they set him up with all these, like, 67-yard wedge shots from, like, the fairway, from the rough, you know, to different pin locations. And they're like Tiger, like walk us through how you how you go about hitting a sixty-seven-yard shot to a front hole location. And Tiger's like, well, I take a look at look at the flag, I get the I get my number, and I feel sixty-seven yards in my hands, and then I just hit the shot. And I'm like, okay, you're Tiger Woods feeling sixty-seven yards in my hands is not a legitimate way for me to improve my wedge game. What you're saying does not translate to me, and probably doesn't translate to 99 point however many percent of golfers so why am i wasting my time like taking swing advice from tiger woods
1: is this also the thing where it's like michael jordan would never be a good coach at basketball because he can't understand how someone isn't able to do what he does in a basketball court it's like tony coach, go dominate this game right now and he's like i can't i'm not you it's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same sort of thing yes. um that sort of reminds me of the Dustin Johnson advice that that famous video where he's younger. And he's like the most important thing when you're trying to hit a fade is is for the ball to fade. It has to go left to right, and then he swings and he hits like a, a two fifty cut beauty with a three. When he's like kind of like that, it's like yeah, okay. Yeah. DJ and Tiger are arguably two of like the fifty best athletes of this century. Like, of course, those guys can do it. But I think the go beat balls is like. I think it's good advice. He doesn't literally mean go hit 2,000 balls and, like, don't think about what you're doing. But he's saying, like, you're not going to learn. Like, I hate... I'm a big golf channel watcher. I love when they play old tournaments and new tournaments. That's all I want to watch. Any instruction or school of golf or anything related to, like swing mechanics or any shit like that. I'm just not interested in watching. I hate Instagram tips. I hate any sort of like tips or videos. I think all it does is confuse golfers and gets in their mind. Like, do you do you read a Golf Digest or do you watch an Instagram video and you're like, oh, that's a great tip. I'm going to go take that tip and work on it. Like, have you ever taken a tip, worked on it, and executed it as part of your game?
0: I have, yes. Um, and... So tips and drills, I, I think about as like as differently. Like drills, I think more are are better than just like tips when it comes to like internet instruction. Because like you can suggest a drill and it doesn't really have to do with your technique. And it's either it's just a way to practice to kind of make it a game, make it competitive, and if it's an area of your game that you need help with, that's sure. great. You you can kind of take it or leave it. Tips are different. Tips are like, you know, make it, make a three-quarter backswing or feel like you're you this is doing that or, or whatever it, it, it is more technical but if you are educated enough on your game or just desperate enough it can it, i'm okay with like trying something out if i find something i've published a lot of instruction articles on golf link and not ones that i've written like i'm not giving you golf instruction but i am either translating a a, a video that some like a, that a renowned instructor instructor has recorded or just kind of updating some text and cleaning it up and there are things that i've i've gone like there are tips like swing techniques that I've been like, I should try this and just kind of see, and maybe I'll get something five swings and either it resonates or it doesn't. One of them is, is a move that's stuck with me for two years, um, which is just basically like a takeaway in your driver. Like if you're to to fix a slice or to, you know, kind of incorporate a draw, just feel like your hand is going into your back pocket. You got to keep your hands low and then Hmm. finish kind of low too. And that, that like helped for me instantly. It just resonated with me. It resonated with my, game in my swing and it worked and I could execute it. And and I felt like it, I struck the ball better. It's not to say it'll work for everybody. It's not to say that other things I've tried that I've given five swings didn't work, but I'm, I'm desperate enough. I would say to like, try things if they, if they relate to what I need help with. And I think I'm also smart enough to know, like, uh, I'm either not translating that right. Or my body doesn't feel the way the instructor feels, you know, it doesn't line up and I'm just, I'm just going to leave. it.
1: That's interesting. So you're saying like there's a certain percentage of tips that you know that you can automatically exclude because it doesn't either make sense for your brain or it doesn't correct a thing or speak to a thing that makes sense to you from a technical or feel standpoint. But there's a certain number of tips where it's like, okay, that makes sense to me. I can feel it and I'm either going to have that be something that I try or it's something like this pocket move that like stuck with you. And so you're willing to go with it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Interesting. I think I think sure. the only thing that I can relate to is, like, I I I've probably talked about this a lot on this podcast, but there's a very impactful thing. I've gone to a few U.S. Opens, and the most impactful thing, the most amazing thing I ever saw was Sergio hit three woods. I, I've never seen anyone have a ball flight like that before or since. It was, like, literally a plane taking off. It was unbelievable. How that guy didn't win 10 majors is beyond me. But the thing that sticks with me and something that I think about when my tempo is off is I watched, this is the nerdiest golf shit you can possibly say, I watched 2001 PGA Championship winner David Toms hit wedges on the range at like 9 o'clock in the morning at Torrey Pines before the 2008 U.S. Open. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It wasn't like overpowering. It wasn't like the most beautiful swing I ever saw. But there was something about his tempo that just has stuck with me for 15 years now. And whenever I have a wedge shot or I feel like my wedge shots are out of whack, I always think about his tempo and it really brings me back. Or like when I hit a driver, I think about Ernie Els or Rory McIlroy. Like I think about certain golf swings and keys when I'm not hitting the center of a club face. I think about Tommy Fleetwood and how he just sort of punches down on the golf ball. So I think about players' moves and motions. I'm the least technical golfer you're probably ever going to meet in your life. I can't think about things in a technical way, so maybe that's part of it too. I mean, you wouldn't—would you call yourself a technical guy or a feel guy?
0: Um, it's an interesting question because I—I I, I absorb a lot of technical information, um, and, and sometimes I practice with technical information and thoughts. But I, I make a conscious effort to, to play with feel, and the more I do that and execute it, the better I play.
1: I find that when anyone asks me about how I'm aligned or what I'm doing, I immediately like want them to like go. I want to push them in a bunker. I can't think about too much about what I'm doing. I have to feel what I'm doing. That's just that's just what I am. Um, Okay, so anyway, Tiger Woods is back. That's exciting. Um, Nick, uh, I don't think my folks listen to this podcast, which is a good thing. I received an incredible phone call from my mother two weeks ago. So as I've as I've mentioned before, my folks met on a golf course. Um, they, that's That was like their social circle when they were in their 20s. So I, I grew up in a golf family. My parents have never left the United States. They've never been outside of the country. Wow. My mom called me a couple weeks ago, and she's like, hey, your dad's turning 70 in January. You know where he wants to go more than anywhere else? And I was like, mom, I can't get Augusta tickets. It's not going to work. And she's like, no, it's not the Masters. He wants to go to the British Open more than anything else. And so wow. – you guys are going to go to the British Open next year. Figure out a way to make that happen. I was wow. Like, <laughs> what, what an assignment. Like I was like, this is the best phone call. I thought grandma died. Instead, I'm going to Troon. This is amazing. Oh so, so when she says you guys, is she going? No. So she just wants me, my dad, and my older brother to go. So okay. I, my calendar is open. I don't have any kids you know, I just have a self-sufficient lady that I live with and a cat who's sort of self-sufficient and <laughs> she can take care of the cat while I'm gone. My brother has two kids, nine and five. So they're a little bit they're they're older than yours. So they can kind of fend for themselves. But it's not cheap to get to Scotland and then go to the British Open, stay in a hotel and then play a couple rounds of golf. Um, so I'm in the process of researching. It's in it's in Trun, which is in Scotland. And then St. Andrews is obviously also in Scotland, the home of golf. So I started to do some research about pricing, where you're going to stay, how much it costs to go to the tournament, how much it costs to play golf. And I'm really looking at one of these like packages, Nick, because I don't know how far everything is from each other. I kind of want to pay one price, have everything all be bundled together. And it's not cheap. It's like, you know, three to 6,000 euro. It's kind of crazy. So mm-hmm. anyway, I've been communicating with this guy from the British Open. I've gotten two phone calls and like three emails. They're very communicative, which is exciting. Wow. Have you ever, and, and, and I'll talk more about this as it evolves, but the point that I want to get to today is, have you ever researched how to get on the old course at St. Andrews? Yes, I have. I've I've published an article about it. <sighs> See, I'm, I I'm frustrated it wasn't the
0: number one result when you when you searched for it.
1: It wasn't. Um,
0: so it's feast or famine here, you know. It's either <laughs> number one or it's on the tenth page. It's, it's all good. So,
1: so it sounds like you're prepared to talk about this a little bit then.
0: Yeah, I, I can go off memory if uh, you know. It's been it's been six months, I think, but I think I I, I know the the rundown.
1: Well, the first thing that here's I was... what I'll tell you. Go here's ahead. what
0: I'll tell you that I know that stands out to me yeah. more than anything else is that if you want to play the old course, you can play the old course and. There are like four or five different avenues to do that, and they're all in a chronological order. So you enter the lottery. You don't get into the lottery. There's like a 24-hour lottery. You can enter that. If you don't get into that, you can show up and wait in line, and if you do that, there's a good chance you're going to play. might not play with your pops, but you probably get to play the old course.
1: Yeah, it's or you can pay a shitload of money, um, which is the least fun option, honestly, because it's like, yeah. oh, cool. I'm going to sign up for this expensive thing and not have to be part of the whole experience. But so you're right. that That's basically the rundown. You can enter a long term lottery, a short term lottery or show up. Those are like the three ways. The one thing that I found fascinating is you are required to have a handicap. You have to have at least a 36 or lower Handicap 36 is the max you can have if you're a 36. I better, I better 1, stop playing, I better stop <laughs> posting rounds if I want a chance to play the old course. So it's really interesting because, like, I'm sure any golf course in Scotland, the whatever the you know, Colfax that's that's the kind of the dumpy one by is that place still open? Is the Colfax golf course so. still open? Yeah. I don't want to say it's dumpy, I, I, I actually enjoy it, but whatever the version of the below average Muni that you have in your hometown, that in Scotland is going to be unbelievable. So what I want to do is talk to this guy and say, Hey, look, here's what we want. We want to go to the British Open on Wednesday, we want to play golf on cool Munis on Thursday and Friday and show up at the old course on Saturday and see what happens. And I want to know how much that trip costs. And I'm hoping that they're able to curate it in a way where it's like, okay, that's going to cost less than 2000 euro. And I think if it's less than that, I'd be interested in doing it. Doesn't that seem like a, I'm trying to judge at what point does it become too crazy financially to do this thing? Or because it's like my dad and it's my 70th birthday and maybe a once in a lifetime thing. There is no cost. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately up for you to decide, but that's one of the things for me that cost is is, out of the, 150 things you can remember about this trip you're never gonna remember how much it costs right and, and like if you don't have the means to pay for it then like that's a different story but like if you can pay for it it's just like an uncomfortable deduction from your bank account like you know you'll probably recover from that and you'll probably be so happy you took this trip I mean like that that's there's a reason why they're so expensive um now I have a couple questions okay. Is the guy is is like somebody who works for the RNA and is like a, a, a staff member of the british open like
1: also helping you plan your, your trip. Andrew Craig sent me an email and called me on Tuesday. And basically what I did was I went to uh, the British open website. I guess it was the RNA and I clicked on a thing and then a live chat popped up and I started chatting with this lady and explained what I wanted. I was like, look, I want to go for a practice round and play golf. And she's like, cool, here's how much it costs. And it's like 300 pounds to go to the practice round. And basically get a private bathroom and some drinks and and the whole thing. And it's like, all right, that's a lot, but who gives a shit? I've never been to the British open, might never go again. And I thought that was going to be it. And then I got an email and it's called experience the 152nd open at Royal Trude in 2024. Mm. And this guy is like, Oh, I left you a voicemail. I want to talk. And I responded and we're supposed to talk this morning. And he didn't call me. So I'm a little bit like, uh, what's going on here. But I sent him another email and they seem to be very like overly communicative, About this whole process, and I think what they want to do is not only sell me tickets to the open, but, like, have the whole experiential process funnel through them, which is really interesting, because, like, if I – when we took a trip, Lacey and I took a trip to Europe last year, we did it through Costco, so it was really, really nice, Costco travel, to have, like, an entire thing bundled into one Cause I'd never been to London or Paris. And so it made it really easy. They put us in the center of everything. We could figure it out pretty easily. And that's the sort of thing I want for this trip. Like, I don't want to have to plan a lot of it. I kind of want it taken care of because I don't really know, like, am I going to have to drive a car on the wrong side of the road? Is it reasonable to get cabs everywhere? Like this is the kind of stuff mm-hmm. that I want to understand. And I'm hoping that they can do that. So it's definitely a work in progress, but this is the kind of the opening salvo to it. And it, yeah. it, it should be a pretty fun thing to plan over the fall and winter. So a
0: couple things to, to just kind of steer you. Please. Um, so when I worked with the New England PGA, we we organized trips like this. Mm. So it was a little bit different because you would go with a pro and the, a pro would take like a group of whatever. But it was like you, you write a check. Basically, you write a check to your pro. Your pro writes a check to, you know, cover whole, his whole group. And you buy your plane ticket and then everything else is taken care of, all your – golf all your transportation all your meals your lodging all that stuff is just all included so it's all planned out and and everything um now there there are services that do that our our friend dave mcadams you know has his own company that that flyers club yeah the flyers club um so there's there is no shortage of golf travel businesses that will basically you can tell them you know they they either plan trips you know specifically or they plan group trips that you're like oh this is the package we want i am sure there are plenty of packages that are what you're looking for like hey go go to the british open and then like play a bunch of these british open courses all in one um you know maybe the days line up with what you're thinking in your head maybe they don't the cost is gonna be you're gonna pay for number one all of those experiences and number two not having to plan any of them and getting exactly what you want um, but again, that, that's kind of up for you to decide, but that's, that's definitely an option to, um, to explore.
1: Yeah. I mean, the curation fee, I think is something I'm willing to pay for just as someone who's never done this. And Dave's yeah. company is actually a really good idea. I wish I had thought of that already. Cause I think, I hope what I've seen so far is sort of the higher end of these trips. Like I've seen packages that are go Friday, Sunday, play three courses, stay in a friggin' castle for five nights. And it's like 7,000 euro a person. It's like, all right, that's, that's a little bit unreasonable. I don't, I don't know if 7,000 euro is, is something I'm willing to right. is, is something I'm willing to spend. But you know, if it's like three, it, I, I, I do think there is a line of cost, not necessarily for me, but like my dad who's close to retiring and my brother, who's not, but has two kids and a family to feed. Like, I don't want to be the sort of the piggish one to be like, oh, it doesn't matter what the cost is since I'm in the most like flexible position in terms of financial and not having to support other people. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. That's really good. Well, I'll keep you posted on this. Hopefully, Andrew, Andrew, if you're listening, please call me back. I'm available anytime to discuss this British Open trip.
0: Let's, let's give him a little bit of slack that there's probably like a nine hour time change and it's it's Friday. He's probably like, for like Friday, 7 p.m. He's got he's it's got so a true. Year. I could, I could ch- call Joe back for this trip. that's going to happen 11 months from now, if it even happens. Or I could just like call him back next week.
1: And yeah, I could take my wife out for dinner and call him back on Monday. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> You're 100 percent right. Um, OK, I'm looking at this other stuff. OK, I'm I'm going to skip the main topic and I'm going to go to two randoms because these are just a couple of thoughts. Um, the first one is, and I have to give our friend Tyler Munn's fade and fairway credit who ironically is in Ireland or went to Ireland. I don't know if you saw it any of his IG stuff, but, um, he's having a good time playing golf in Ireland right now. I played golf with him a couple of weeks ago. He was in, uh, he, he was witness to my 96. I'm sure he had a good time watching me do that at his country club, <laughs> but, we were we were standing on a tee box. Guess he just went up. <laughs> <laughs> we were standing on a tee box. It was like the seventh hole. And it it, it wasn't a fast round, but it wasn't the slow round. We were playing behind a two, some a couple of older guys. It's like a 375 yard par four, maybe even a little bit shorter. So the guy in front of us hit a bad tee shot, and he probably had like 250 in. And so if you do the math there, he hit his tee shot about 125. He has 250 in with a three wood, and he waited for the green to clear. And Tyler proclaimed, and I thought this was great, and I've never thought about this before, but I think it's right. He's like, if you mess up your tee shot to the extent that you're waiting for a green to clear where your second shot is twice as far as you hit your first shot, you should be required to lay up as an etiquette penalty. You shouldn't be allowed to wait for the green to clear because your tee shot was so bad, you're now clogging up the golf course. On the one in a hundred chance you hit your three wood 250 yards. And I think that's right. I think if I am on a par four that is like 325 and I duff my tee shot, say I hit it 75 yards, even though I have the capability of hitting my five wood 240, should I wait for the green to clear or do I just pull out a four iron, hit it 20 yards short, and then chip up and try to save my par that way?
0: Um, okay. So the scenario you're laying out, there are. Twelve golfers on this hole right now. I guess there's ten because the group ahead of you was a twosome. Okay. That's
1: right.
0: Ten golfers on a 300 and change par four.
1: Yeah, slow day. Look,
0: it's 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 going to be slow. I this guy paid his greens fee. Mm.
1: He's
0: he has the chance. He has the opportunity. He has the right to play whatever strategy he would like to play. Does so, he? You would be waiting if look. You're, you're waiting anyway, you're not waiting on this guy to like either lay up or go for it because if he hits his next shot, let's say he's 50 yards short of the green he lays up. you're still waiting for him to get onto the green because you and Tyler are probably gonna hit into him if you hit him if he's playing from 50 yards out. So he's waiting for the green to clear. like just because he hit a bad shot doesn't mean he should have to resign himself to basically a double bogey or like maybe a one putt bogey. Um just because you're kind of impatient and you're still gonna wait for him anyways. I don't, that that logic doesn't really make sense to me. Even though there's a small chance of him pulling off the shot, look, we all know that if you the longer you wait for a green to clear to hit a long shot, the the lower your chances of, of pulling off the shot are. Um but that's his prerogative. A couple things. And I really don't I really don't feel like he's actually impacting the the length of your round in any way by doing that, because you're either gonna wait for him while he's close to you or wait for him while he's much farther from you, but still within range.
1: I think you're making a good point, but I, I would say a couple of things. One, sometimes it's better to take the country roads where your car is moving rather than sitting in traffic, even though it may take the same amount of time. So that's what I would say to this guy. Okay, fair. Two, how do you think he did on a second shot? I don't think he did well, but that's beside the point. Is it beside the point? It three, is. three, what I would say is if he is, 250 out, and he has a three-wood or a seven-iron in his hand for his second shot. What do you think? And look, I'm not saying that I'm looking out for this guy's best interest. I'm certainly not. But how do you think he's Do you think going to score better more often hitting a seven-iron for a second shot, going seven-iron wedge, or three-wood, punch-out three-iron, five-iron, chip-up, and two-putt? I'm just saying, I think yeah, he's probably going to be better off hitting the seven-iron because he is putting more pressure on himself by waiting for the green to clear, his last shot was awful to get him in this position. And so now the pressure is mounting. He can feel... Instagram celebrity Faden Fairway is on the tee box. You know he's feeling that sweat. I guess I'm taking a h- even higher
0: level approach than that. Is like, okay. I don't care what score you're going to make. You have the You have the right to make whatever score you feel like making and take whatever path you feel like taking to lead you to that score. I just don't feel like... This is an egregious violation because no matter what he does, it's not really going to, it's it's like you said, that's a perfect analogy. Like you can get there at the same time in a way that is more scenic and less frustrating, or you can get there in a way that's more direct and infuriating. Um, And it's up to you to to decide what, if you're going to let this infuriate you like some people sit in traffic and they're so mad Ah, screaming and they're like Some people sit there and they just turn up the music and you know they light up a smoke and they just like say this is what it is so it's, it's up to you to control how you react to that situation
1: i'll say this i don't think it's an egregious violation i think it's a about as minor as a violation as you could possibly have while still being a discussion topic on a podcast, which is why I think it's interesting. It's something that never occurred to me because I often find not often, but I find myself in the position of not hitting a good tee shot, having a long distance out, but also again, as it's well documented, I have a high ceiling, low floor in golf, which I think frankly, a lot of people fall into. So the ability for me to hit a three iron, a hundred yards, and then a five wood, 260 yards is within like the, the scope of possibilities in my round of golf. So I understand. I just think that it's an interesting thought because not only does it, I do think it adds a little bit of a delay, but I also think that it would behoove the golfer to just strike a short to mid iron properly rather than top another fairway wood, sending them (laughs) down a further spiral of despair. I'm going
0: to make one more. Devil's advocate Devil's point here. Great. He may have thought he was helping the pace of play by waiting and hitting a a, a shot that he knew would get out of your way. Because if he's like, well, I can hit a seven or eight iron, I'm, they're still going to be waiting on me to hit my third shot. Like, I don't want to do that. I can hit a wood, get right up there, chip and putt, and I'm out of their way. So maybe, maybe that's what his thought was. Because in the golfer's mind, you're always going to hit the next one good. He's not sitting there thinking... I'm going to top another fairway would wait five minutes and then hit this one 40 yards. He's like, okay, I'm going to hit this one. Good. I know what I did. I dropped my shoulder. I go back to that drill I watched on YouTube where I just turn my hips a little bit and whatever. And you're going to, you're going to smoke the next one. That's, that's the mindset.
1: I think this is a really good new topic that may just have organically come up. It's, it's, I'm not quite set on the title, but it's something like advanced golf etiquette or like, Okay. subtle golf etiquette cuz this yeah. isn't like golf real etiquette. golf etiquette <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is perfect it's an advanced course it's a capstone course of golf etiquette that we're talking about right now i love it thank you fade and fairway i'm glad you're having a good time in ireland um nick i think we can get right into the mad golfer of the week i am so excited for this mad golfer of the week um, oh my gosh i so I, I actually found this a few weeks ago, and I emailed it to myself. There's just been something sitting in my inbox titled MGOTW, and I just kind of ignored it. And then fortunately, I was cleaning out my inbox, and I found it. So I was going to go on a double date to Birdie Time, which is a indoor mini-golf facility. It's like a sports bar, mini-golf. We ended up going axe throwing, which was a whole other story in itself. Yeah. Um very very Portland activity. Lacey is way too good at it. It was like This <laughs> is so scary. It, you know what? It is scary at first, but once you get used to it, uh, it's quite fun. I guarantee Ash would get insanely competitive because Lacey mm-hmm. did. Um yeah, and I think they're very similar that there, way.
0: There's an axe throwing place in
1: Moscow now. Oh, killer. Well, let's go next time we're all there <laughs> in twenty twenty seven. You can't use you can't use the word killer to describe the excellent place. I'm sorry, I just can't do it. So true. Halloween okay.
0: is coming up. Okay,
1: Halloween is coming up. Um, it is time for the Mad Golfer of the Week. This is this is from Birdie Time. So again, this is a indoor nine hole putt putt facility in Portland, Oregon, USA. This is from Matthew Rhine Statler. This is a one star review. Quote. If I could give negative stars to a place that is completely mismanaged by the bald shell of a man who apparently owns the place and has no idea how to regulate lines. Told the gentleman after I had paid for four people to do mini golf that he should figure out a better system to regulate the groups of six to eight people and possibly do time slots. Didn't really want to wait 30 minutes each hole. We waited 30 minutes each hole. I counted. Insane. (laughs) There's more. Oh, my God. The bald older gentleman behind the counter is rude and unstable, apparently an owner, and completely misses how one would run a business. The only good thing is the beer list. The other bartenders are rude and have no idea what they're doing. They couldn't answer simple questions about beer. Okay. I have to pause and say there is no way Matthew was asking simple questions about beer based on this so far. He's asking ABV. He's asking very complicated and advanced questions other than is this an IPA or a lager, which is all you should be asking. Okay. Let's bring it home. If you would like to hang around a place that is a straight dumpster fire of a business, go there. I have been running and managing people for years, and can't believe the staff and owner. I would love for the owner to take some college courses on how to run a business.
0: Okay, I, I counted, and it sounds like Matthew Reinstadler played a four and a half hour, nine <laughs> holes of putt putt golf at this facility because he said he counted thirty minutes per he hole. Counted nine. That, that's my math. Um, Wow, he he is mad. I actually thought this was two reviews because they started like the 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 break in the paragraphs was like saying the exact same thing but like in slightly different words. It's like right. wow, this this place has a reputation. And I was like, no, this is this is still Matthew.
1: Yeah, Matthew, Matthew's a pretty grumpy guy. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just so cuz like this is clearly a place where you're just going to have fun. You shouldn't take it too seriously. Like, who gives a shit if it takes a long time? There's stuff everywhere. There's like shuffleboard, there's pool, there's there's TVs everywhere. And if you look at some of the pictures, the holes are quite complex. Like, this isn't like your standard bullshit mini golf. Like, there's a lot of different elements. There's a thing where it goes totally around like a roller coaster. Like, it looks pretty cool. Matt is the outlier. This place has a 4.6 rating on Google out of 605 reviews. But congrats to Matthew Reinstattler, your mad golfer of the week. And with that it is now time for Nick Rules, brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code Turn Twenty at checkout. I was paused on my Solheim Cup talk, and I think I know why. I made you. I made you stop, and I apologize
0: for no. my rude interruption. Please. But Nick Rules is here to help people take advantage of the rules and use the rules in your favor. And nobody, and I mean nobody, is doing a better job of that. Than at the turn's favorite professional women's golfer, Lexi Thompson. Poor Lexi. I haven't heard her name too much this year. It's because her 2023 LPGA results are missed cut, missed cut, T31, missed cut, T47, missed cut, missed cut, missed cut, missed cut, <laughs> missed cut.
1: Does that sound like a Solheim Cup participant to you? It sounds like one of those was the US Women's Open where I picked her to win. <laughs> It was.
0: It was. She did miss the cut at yeah. um, plus nine in the U.S. Women's Open. Well, Thanks. Lexi Thompson is on the Solheim Cup team, and it's not because of a captain's pick. She was a qualifier for the U.S. Is that right? Women's Solheim Cup team. Yes, because the top seven players in the LPGA Solheim Cup points list are in. She was not one of those seven. However, the next two highest ranked eligible American players in the Rolex Women's World Golf rankings are automatic picks for the Solheim Cup team. And she falls into that category, assisted by, in late 2022, she finished second at an LAT event, an Aramco Series event. In early 2023, she was T3 at an LAT event. Um, I'm sorry, she, she won one in late 2022, had a second place finish in late 2022 on the LPGA tour. And then that T three on the LAT in 2023, her world golf ranking right now is 26. It was as high as number six in the world this year. She has been plummeting all year. She kept her Rolex ranking just high enough to get a spot on this team. I'm not even sure if she wants to be on the team, to be honest. I think she got married this year. I think she's just like doing other things. I don't think she's really too concerned about her golf game, but she's on the Solheim cup team despite five straight missed cups in the heart of the 2023 season. She's, she may have lost her card for the next year. She may have to use her special exemption to, to to compete on the LPGA tour next year. If she even wants to do that, not sure if she wants to, who knows what she wants to do, but Lexi Thompson has used the rules to her advantage. She's on the Soul Hump cup team. She's getting a trip to Spain. Congrats,
1: Lexi. <laughs> that's, that's all this is. This is a free trip to Spain. Look, I I I actually feel pretty bad for her. I think this is kind of a bummer. Um, so basically, on the strength of some good finishes on the European tour and a decent finish at the start of the year, like she is on the Solheim Cup team now. As, as a result, is that, is that kind of the crux of it? That, that's it. Yep. I the Solheim the Solheim Cup is a really good and even competition. I'm looking at the odds on DraftKings right now. Both USA and Europe are plus 100, so it is a dead even situation. Um, I would love if this was a uh, a three team situation and you had usa europe and asia asia would kick everyone's ass i think and that's probably be, yeah it like if this like i'm i'm trying to think of the odds like it would be like i don't know asia would be like minus 200 like like a 2 to 1 favorite to win this thing like you could even do and I know they have like World Cup like events where they have like Japan and South Korea, but like if they just did South Korea, I think South Korea would kick US and Europe's ass right now. Like yeah. I think it would be really, really interesting. It's it, it, it is a good event. I'm excited. Um I'm I'm taking both Europe in the Solheim Cup and as it's been well documented, the Ryder Cup. I think it's gonna be a European sweep on home soil no i've i've already gotten the good odds with europe i i I got those months ago so it's down to plus 125 right now um are we doing a Ryder cup preview next week let's let's at least do like a 10 minute preview i don't want to do a whole episode of it because i've talked way too much about the Ryder cup already but let's just do a little bit of it we'll do a little bit of Ryder cup and we'll talk about other golf stuff as well maybe we'll do uh more advanced golf etiquette which (laughs) love it it's really fun um Appreciate everybody listening. Remember, please, phone ahead. You don't want to be stuck on that first green after hitting your approach shot to four feet and have sand between you and the hole. Bob Simon Sr. is another story. Everyone else, call ahead. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.